The reading this morning is from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. And in the Church Bible, that's page 1030. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and made him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Thank you, Brenda. So we're thinking about Dr. Luke and the temptation of Jesus this morning, and it's a very familiar passage to us, and in that familiarity, it can, we can miss things of what God wants to say to us. So let's bow our heads as we seek God's deeper understanding for our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of freedom in this country. We thank you for the scriptures, the inspired word of God in the Bible. We think of William Tyndale, who translated the scriptures into the contemporary tongue of English and was burned at the stake so that we could read scripture for the common man and woman. Lord, help us to cherish this book. Holy Spirit of God, unfetter our minds to hear what the Spirit says to us, that we'll have hearts to obey, lives to glorify you, lives that will filter out the chaff so that the wheat will grow from within. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. A story uh, sponsored by our church treasurer. There's a story of a pastor who got up one Sunday and announced to the congregation, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is we have enough money to pay for the new building program. The bad news is it's still out there in your pockets. And uh, I'll take sponsorships for stories elsewhere, please, from my darkener. We live in a world of competing stories that want our attention. The real story versus the fake story. 
And in such a world, we must really know for sure what the Christian story is in order to resist the false stories that seek to take us off the path, the path of Jesus. And so we're entering this story, which is an incredibly powerful one, because it takes us into the wilderness. I wonder if any of you are feeling like you're in the wilderness at the moment. You're feeling detached, feeling under pressure, feeling oppressed, feeling a bit lost. And if you are in the wilderness, this is a place where God is very real, very near to us, and we need to call out to him and reach for him. The wilderness was the place where the Jewish people uh, met with God in the Sinai after rescuing them from Egypt. It was in the wilderness that God shaped them. It took them a while, but God shaped them into God's covenant people. He cared for them. He led them by a cloud and by fire through that wilderness. And so we come to Luke's Gospel Jesus is also led, this time by the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness. God sometimes leads us into wilderness. It's not all joy and party and celebration. He is led into the wilderness to face temptation by his adversary, the devil. And the location of Jesus' temptation reminds us of the Sinai, of God's rescue. Geographically, the wilderness was an arid region in southern Israel between the fertile land near the Mediterranean Sea and the interior desert region. It was a size of, of probably from Lowestoft to Bury St. Edmunds to Chelmsford was this wilderness. It was not devoid of life um, as soon as the rains would come, you would find suddenly uh, food would be produced. Flocks would be uh, pouring in when the abundant rains came. And what we have here is a celebration. If you go to chapter 3 and verse 21, you read the story of Jesus' baptism. And can I just make a plug here? Next Sunday, we have a believer's baptismal service here in the baptistry. This is a tremendous opportunity to see how God has changed a life. <coughs> it's a tremendous opportunity for you to invite your friends, your neighbours and your enemies to come and worship and see what God can do today. So I want to encourage you to think and pray about who you can invite next Sunday at 10.30 to witness this story of transformation. And why this is poignant, baptism, Jesus has just declared his commitment to the will of God. We sung just a moment ago Wesley's hymn, Ready for thy perfect will. Are you ready for God's perfect will? for the 13th of October, this new week that God has done for us? Or are we just going through the motions? God is serious about us and we need to be serious with him. And so Jesus has been baptised and God has declared his love 
for him. This is my beloved son in whom he is well pleased. And it's extraordinary, isn't it, to that place of great acceptance where Jesus has accepted his mission from the Father. And i never forget when I was um, preparing for my own baptism when I was 18 years of age. i never forget this dear godly elder in the church in Leon C said to me, and I, I had a very vivid imagination, Terry, when you're baptised, the devil's going to be chasing you. And I remember sort of kind of like, and, and there is a truth, of course, we find in this scripture. Because the devil, the evil one, prowls around, wanting to trip us up, wanting us to fail. And if we're not achieving godly fruit in our lives, he's not interested in you. If you're serious about being a disciple of Jesus, he has got you in sight. And we discover this in this story. Twice in the temptation story, the devil records God's address to Jesus. In fact, the devil calls into question, if you are the Son of God, followed by specific tests, And the story contains three moments of testing and it all has to do with the identity of Jesus, the Son of God. And it's really important because what's your identity? Who are you? Who am I? What's my identity? And that's foundational as we live our lives because we get hit by all sorts of storms and winds and challenges in the coming week. We get so distracted There's so much news that can be bad news, concerning news, whether it's personal, whether it's about the world. What kind of son of God is Jesus? What kind of son will he be? And this title, Son of God, can be interpreted in various ways, but it represents, Jesus represents the Father. That's what the Son does. And also, God's Son is like a king, meaning that he represents God on earth. So here we have this story of competing storylines. You've got the devil and you've got God. And so let's get into temptation one. And temptation one in chapter four and verses three to four, where the devil says, turn these stones into bread. Jesus has been tested for 40 days and 40 nights he's been fasting he is hungry and when the devil came into Jesus Jesus was prepared for him he was in the peak of spiritual fitness I loved reading about the desert monks that went out in the early centuries uh, because they wanted to go into the desert to cleanse themselves from the world They wanted to come apart from the world and guess what happened? The world followed them into the desert. The same temptations followed them in the desert because the world was in them and until we address the world in us, we're not going to get the temptation out. And the devil says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus hadn't eaten properly for 40 days. 
It's interesting. If you go into the desert, there are stones that look like bread, small loaves. And when people get lost in the desert, they recount stories of seeing loaves of bread, which aren't bread, they're stones. They become a bit delirious. The mirages mistaking them for bread. And they're known as bread stones. And Jesus then thinks, he goes to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3, and he says, it is written... One does not live by bread alone. It's when Moses is reminding the people of Israel that God tested them in the wilderness by hunger. But he fed them with manna in order to make them understand that we don't live by bread alone. And so the first test is physical. And it's really important we take care of ourselves physically It's really important that we eat healthily, that we're sensible, that we don't undereat or overindulge. And our society in the Western world is kind of obsessed with food. We have too much food, while the two-thirds world has too little food. And the battle of physicality goes on. Temptation 2 in verses 5 to 8 And then the devil comes to Jesus and it's all about rulership, all about kingdoms. And it was all about popularity, about Jesus being king of a kingdom. And the devil led him to Jerusalem, it says. Popularity, how we all like to be popular, how we all dream perhaps of being life and soul of the party the person everyone wants to talk to, to be a celebrity. And we have a culture on social media where people are doing extraordinary things to be popular, to be famous. And as Christians, we're countercultural. That There's nothing wrong with being popular or famous, but if that is our driving goal, it's full of emptiness, full of nothing absence of importance and purpose and Jesus wasn't immune to the desire to be loved so the devil took him to the top of the temple and said now do something sensational something that will make you the talk of the town something that will make you great in people's eyes so that they will want to know you and hang on your every word Throw yourself down from here because it's written that angels will swoop down and save you from being killed. And in saying this, the devil is misusing scripture. And so there's a right way of using scripture and a wrong way of using scripture. And Jesus turns to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 13. It is written... Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And it reminds again of Moses addressing the people of Israel prior to entering the land of promise. They're just about to cross the Jordan. He calls on the people to fear and love the Lord always. I want to be part of a church 
that is committed to putting God first, who fears, that word fear is more about respect and honour, not being scared, respecting God. And he gives us a creed in Hero Israel. He tells them not to forget who gave the land, who admonishes them to worship and serve the Lord. And so this test is all about popularity. We live in a culture of ego, all about me, my wants, my preferences, what I like. And that consumer culture can invade us and even in this church. What I want over here and what I want over there. And we need to be back to the centre of what God wants as the people of Jesus. We're here to serve him first and foremostly. We're not a social club. We're God's people. Temptation three and finally, we have a test of power in verses nine to twelve. The devil is known in the New Testament as the prince of this world. And he offers Jesus a deal. He took him to the very high mountain and he said, just bow down to me. It's just one leg. It's nothing more. Just bow down. doesn't matter. It'll be okay. Just bow down and you can have everything that you see across the world. All that I control. And Jesus wasn't falling for that either. He wasn't going to compromise. And he says, get lost. It is written... Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. There will be places in our lives where we're called to compromise, where there'll be pivot points about decisions we have to make. Are we going to be faithful to Jesus or are we going to give up? The devil knew he'd lost the battle. He slunk away and Jesus passed the test. He didn't throw himself down from the temple in Jerusalem. The setting is the same as the previous episode. Moses exhorts the people not to test the Lord. It's interesting, when the people were freed from the Egyptian slave masters, it was only three days before they started quarrelling, complaining. They demanded water from Moses which he finally obtained by striking a rock. And the English word temptation, I think is actually probably not an unhelpful, it's unhelpful, it is for me anyway, because we often minimise <coughs> temptation to like, I shouldn't have that bar of chocolate, I shouldn't, uh, I have a weak spot for jam donuts, hint, hint. And... Um, <laughs> So I, I was in a, a supermarket yesterday. I was very glad they had a bag of two donuts. And I thought rather than six going down at once. Um, but so temptation probably is not a helpful word in my mind. The actual Greek word is parasmos. And it's the better word is testing. We, we're being tested. And Jesus and God tests us. The world tests us. It wants to know what we're made of, who we are. I love people of integrity. Integras, it means that they're solid, they're sure. We all love people of integrity. 
And so it's helpful to think about that in terms of testing. Jesus was tested by the devil. We might test one another. There's lots of testing going on in the country at the moment, uh, in Parliament, about where we're going and what we're doing. Jesus was tested at his most vulnerable, hungry and abandoned point in the wilderness. It's, It's very frightening facing an ordeal. And that's why the Apostle Paul says in Colossians, let the word of God dwell in you richly. And I really want to encourage you to have verses of scripture as hallmarks for your life. Because you will face things, even perhaps this week, and you need a word from God. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting, uh, he's getting on in years now, um, a Christian golfer called Bernard Langer. And he won some amazing world championships and he's still winning them on the senior tour. And I remember him sharing, it was a dinner, he was sharing his faith. And he wrote on his scorecard... It was 2 Timothy 1-2 and it was all about being in Christ. He was going, he's, there's something in golf which is, uh, it's a swear word, it's called the yips. It's where you're putting and you suddenly just lose a sense of control. It's a fear of hitting the ball. And he had them and he was a professional golfer and, uh, and he was going through this time which was very serious for him as a professional. And he wrote this scripture on the top of his scorecard. So every time you have to get that card out, every hole you play, he would see that scripture. And friends, we all need a verse for this day, for this week, for this year. What's your verse? And I want to hear it from you. What's your verse? You can tell Cole or me as you leave today or tell us next week a verse of scripture. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? That's my verse. It's sewn in there. So when I'm in the cauldron of a difficult meeting in business or a difficult situation, that's a verse cycling hold. It reminds me of the Father's love for me and for you and you need a verse let the word of God dwell in you richly and oh we seem to be a nation that's fallen away from the love of God's word even Christians aren't reading their Bibles and I want to encourage you if you can't do it daily do it frequently of reading the scriptures a personal devotional it's so important because you're going to face tests If you're 18 or if you're 85, you are going to face tests. And we have this wonderful scripture verse at every family service that Cole brings us. And I am so encouraged to see the children memorize scripture. And that is so important for us as adults. So we're nearly done. We're nearly done. There's a new book out um, that is by a priest of the Church of England, um, Felix Butler Galley, his name is. And it it, uh, is a book about um, how Christians have 
given up their lives for their faith. Some extraordinary stories. And he recounts the story, Fergus does, when he was interviewed before the church authorities about becoming a minister, an ordained minister. They asked him a question. And I want to put that question to you and to me this morning. It's a really important question, a very hard question. What would you go to the stake for? What would you die for this week? And it was a profound truth. What are we prepared to die for can actually reveal what we most clearly want to live for. And comedy and tragedy in life can run side by side If I bring on in 1945 the story of Canon Felix Kerr who was trundling into a newly liberated Dijon in France on top of a tank in his cassock wearing his priest cassock he was fated with standing up to the Nazis. Kerr didn't die a martyr. In fact, some of the French fascist assassins tried to kill him and uh, he was shot and he was saved by actually having um, his chest wallet and the bullet hit his chest wallet and he didn't die, he lived till 92. He helped save 5,000 slave labourers in the Longvik internment camp to escape the Nazis by saying he needed them for municipal projects. Or if I take you to Abbe Pierre a mountaineering priest from Grenoble who coordinated the resistance to smuggle Jews into Switzerland. Or Clemens August von Gallon, Bishop of Munster, who preached a sermon in 1941 saying the Nazi regime was infected with godlessness. Hitler did not execute him, but there was a cost because 37 priests from his diocese were thrown into a concentration camp. Or Princess, Prince rather, Prince Philip's mother, Alice Elizabeth, later Prince, Princess Andrew of Greece and Denmark, who hid Jews in her attic in Athens. A once chain-smoking, one-time atheist tomboy who came to follow Jesus and was prepared to risk her life for these people. By refusing to follow the temptations of the devil, Jesus remained faithful and you too will remain faithful. Through your baptism, if you've been baptised, you've pledged, follow and die to self and to rise to Christ. What will you die for? Charles Stanley, the minister of First Baptist Church in Atlanta, says too many Christians have a commitment of convenience. They'll stay faithful as long as it's safe and doesn't involve risk, rejection or criticism. Instead of standing alone in the face of challenge or temptation, they check to see which way their friends are going. Do you want to be part of that? I don't. I want to be part of a movement that follows Jesus no matter what. Never forget when I was a young person, it was pivotal to becoming a Christian What would you die for, Terry? And I didn't have an answer at that time. 
until I met with Jesus. And I hope I would be found faithful. Of course no one wants to die for their faith, but there are 150 million Christians across our planet today who are being persecuted for following Jesus. John Piper says, darkness comes in the middle of it, the future looks blank, the temptation to quit is huge. Don't. You are in good company. You will argue with yourself that there is no way forward, but with God nothing is impossible. He has more ropes and ladders and tunnels out of pits that you can conceive. Wait, pray without ceasing, and hope. Let's pray together. Conquering Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you this morning that you overcame the devil. You are the victor. You are the one with integrity that we can trust this morning. The world might be going mad outside. The Turks might be assaulting the Kurds. We might have Brexit. We might have cancer. We might have overwhelming odds against us, but thank you, Jesus, that you're with us and you promise to be with us tomorrow. And Lord, some of us have lost so much. Dear ones who have gone on to glory, remind us today that your love holds us, keeps us, shines on us. May we be a people who are found faithful. And Lord, if we've come, become complacent, test us, that we, you may sharpen us, that the word of God may dwell richly within us, that we may be spiritually fit for this time, that we may be a church sold out on making you number one. Sift us out, we pray. Shape us up. Make us the people you dream of us to be. For the glory of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, world without end. Amen. Amen.